Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together, for He is worthy and worthy to be praised. Amen. Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth's become so hard to see. The world was on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around but never looking up, I'm so double-minded. Or play God's saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. The world was on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around, never looking up. We're so double-minded. Let the memory of your mercy bring your people to their knees. We're reminded in this song later on. Open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. We're pretty good at that, aren't we? I mean we. I'm not saying you. And throughout this sermon series, as as we talk about Jonah, and quite frankly, it's amazing how Jonah is such a successful evangelist and missionary that's painted in such a negative light. Because quite frankly, he's not all that different from us. Jonah, as we talk about connecting with the sinners, it's exceedingly important to remember that the world is on their way to Jesus, but quite often they trip over us. We get double-minded. We start pointing fingers. The world calls us judgmental, and, and we come back and says, I'm not judging you. I'm just pointing out your sin. And I don't hang around with people that are abundant in sin, you know, like us Christians that can quite frankly be full of ourselves and full of it sometimes too. The reality is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Later on, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. I need you to to remember throughout this heart, throughout this message, throughout this series, and throughout this service, and especially as we observe the Lord's Supper, that Judas ate too. Now, whether he was at the actual um, the observance of the Lord's Supper, some would debate back and forth. Personally, I think he was gone by that point, but it's beside the point. The table that Jesus was feeding at and eating with people, Judas was there. He washed the feet of a woman that nobody else would touch. He raised the dead. He forgave everybody, no matter what their sin was. Because he truly was a friend of sinners. Jonah, on the other hand, 
may have been a little bit different. Jonah chapter 1 tells us this. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amati, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Stop. Hard stop. Jesus, this, this, this is Jonah. We're going to look at the background in a minute. But this is a prophet of God. This is a chaplain, if you would. And Jonah at this point is pretty successful. So let's call him a field grade chaplain. All right. We'll even call him general soldier. Right. Okay. So the reality is Jonas is pretty successful and he's he's preached the love of God. He's preached the compassion of God. He is taught. He is a minister in a gospel of God. And he hears the voice of God and he's and God says, go. Because God always speaks in a deeper voice. I don't know why. But anyways. So God says, go. Go to Tarshish. And Jonah says, eh, eh. What? And you call yourself a minister and a prophet of God, and it's even... So remember, I said, humble yourselves before an almighty God. Because it's easy for us to say, shame on you, Jonah. <laughs> I see a congregation full of Jonah's. And come Monday morning when the chief of chaplains is here doing some training, it's going to be full of chaplains and I'm going to see a congregation full of Jonas that wear crosses on their lapels and their foreheads. Humble ourselves before an almighty God. We're talking about connecting with the sinners. Now, in, in reference to this, we're talking about connecting with the lost sinners. But in order for us to connect with the lost sinners, we need to understand there's one thing that connects us with the lost sinners. As saved sinners. And that is our sin and the need of the cross and the need of the body and the blood of Christ that paid for that sin. And if the second we forget that, the second, it is this very second that the world says, forget the church. I don't need that in my life. I don't need people pointing out my sin when they can't recognize theirs or is the way Jesus sees it. Worried about the sawdust in your own eye when you got a lot or worry about the sawdust in their eye. When you got a law poking out of yours. Jesus says go, and Jonah says no. That ain't right. He calls out their evil. So he continues in Scripture in Jonah 1. He went down to Joppa, and if you know your geography, he literally goes west when Jonah says when God said go east. He literally goes in the polar opposite direction. As if he can run from God. What an idiot went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He paid money to run away from God. Man, this is a great chaplain. I love this guy. He's my best friend. He paid money to go the opposite way to God, to go with him to Tarshish, and away from the presence of the Lord. And if you got your scripture, it's all capital. Away from the presence of Yahweh. Talk about a waste of money. He didn't get his money back on that. We'll see that later. But the Lord, or Yahweh, he hurled a great wind upon the sea. Imagine that. God wasn't happy. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And the mariners, they were afraid. That'll do it. And each one, they cried out to his God, i.e., not Yahweh. They cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship in the sea to lighten it for them in an attempt to like make the boat more steady, get off all, rid of all the stuff we don't need so we can maybe survive this storm that just popped out of nowhere. Yeah. So they're worried about everything. Jonah, they hurled the cargo, but Jonah has gone down in the inner part of the ship. Akuna Matata, man, no worry. 
God said, go, I'm going the other direction. I'm just going to go under the boat like God can't see me in there. Like maybe God's in heaven and I can hide from him in the bottom of the boat. He was so chill. He was asleep. But Jonah had gone in the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep in the middle of the storm. So the captain, he came to him and says, what do you mean, you idiot? Sorry, you sleeper. Arise, go call out to your God because ours didn't do anything. There's an interesting note there that we always forget with Jonah. They had called out to their God, Hey God! Hey Baal! Hey false God! Hey God of the sun! God of the moon! God of the wind and sea! Thor! Whoever you want to call out to and nothing! Imagine false gods don't answer. So they come to Jonah and they're like, Hey look, our gods aren't working. Try yours, dude. How are you even sleeping through this? So they come up to God. Arise, you sleeper. Arise and call out to your God and perhaps the God. Now that's interesting. Your God to the God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we will not perish. Even the captain of the ship and their their shipmates realize that that their gods obviously didn't care was going to let them die. So hey, Jonah, let's try yours on for slaver, okay? You make the call this time. And maybe your God, and he's changed to the God, will save us. And actually, you'll see through the end of Jonah, we're not going to get there today. I'm not going to step on somebody else's message because that's the end of my main text. But you'll see through the story that God does save them and they call out to Yahweh as their God. They address him by name. Even in Jonah's ignorance and even in Jonah's deliberate disobedience, it called people to cry out to God. I need you to know something. Chaplains, I want to talk to me and my brothers for a minute. Chaplains, it ain't about your message and it ain't about my outline today. And it ain't about anything that we ever say or do from this pulpit. But it's better be about the glory of God that we point people to. Congregation, are you listening to me? I believe in something that's called the priesthood of all believers and or the saints of all believers. I'm not Catholic. I love my Catholic brethren, but they're wrong. You're as much of a saint as Mother Teresa is. Maybe not do as good a work as she did. She worked pretty hard. She understood the need for gospel ministry. But she needed the blood of Jesus just like you. You wear a cross on your heart just like a chaplain wears it on his lapel. The calling to go is not mine because I wear a cross. It's mine because I need the cross. Ever since the fall of man, God has established a plan to restore the relationship that was that broken relationship between God and man that was caused by Adam's and Eve's stupidity. Their sin. All the prophetic books in the Old Testament, they present Yahweh's message through a prophet to Israel, right? Repent is all these Old Testament prophets. Repent or be doomed. Repent or be doomed. And quite frankly, most of the time, they don't. And therefore, they see destruction. Jeremiah preached his whole life and he's referred to as the weeping prophet because he was so broken that he gave a message that nobody would hear and he knew that they were hell-bound. Jonah's a little unique, though. It's not the account of a prophet's messages or a collection of his sermons or the good things that he did. Rather, it's kind of a good thing to because it's... It's not about the message because Jonah's message, as we'll see later, is pretty much the shortest, crummiest sermon ever. But it worked (laughs) very effectively because it wasn't about him. 
Like, I mean, if I were to put that kind of thought into my outline, Dan probably wouldn't allow me to preach here. Quite, quite honestly, he'd be like, hey, Ken, you gave like two, two, two sentences and they were mediocre sentences at best. Truthful, but like you said, hey, come to Jesus or you're going to hell. And then you just walked away. Give him a little more meat than that. He probably wouldn't let me preach again, and rightfully so. But we'll, we'll see that message later, that it's not about his message. Jonah's unique in the fact that it tells about the prophet himself. It's a story of God's grace. The message of Jonah is so much more than a man being swallowed by a great fish or a whale, as Jesus calls it in the New Testament. I had somebody argue with me, how do you know it's a whale? Jonah just identifies it as a great fish because I went to the New Testament and Jesus said a whale. I try not to argue with that guy. Um, hasn't worked out well for me. It didn't work out with Jonah when he argued with Jesus' daddy, so I figure I'd listen to his son too. The story of Jonah is a story of divine command and the consequences for not obeying that command. It's a story of God's grace to a hateful and racist prophet, quite frankly. And God's love for the lost, even when God's people don't share that love sometimes. It's a story that reminds us preachers the power of the gospel message is in God's message and not our outlines. It's a message to all of us, the importance of our obedience to the great commission that Miss. Uh, your daughter's name just left me. That Miss Shamir just read. I apologize. <laughs> that Shamir just read about the Great Commission. It's a reminder that Jesus and his Father truly are friend of sinners. Because Jonah's unique in another sense too. Very few Old Testament prophets were successful in their labors, and Jonah was greatly successful. His name had already preceded him from 2 Kings. We know this from 2 Kings 14, that Jonah was a very successful prophet. He ministered in the reign of Jeroboam II, and Jeroboam led his people into sin. In consequent, you know, sin leads to misery. So the people were in misery. Jonah called them to repent there and was pretty successful. You can read about it a little bit about Jonah's pretext in 2 Kings 14, but that's not our main text. He was directed to prophesy, just so you know, and that's about uh, prophesy about the reestablishment of the country's borders that nobody thought would happen, and it happened. So he's a successful and an accurate prophet. So he became pretty famous. As we talk about the cars that you submitted last week, Dan, you were a little off, 328, not 322. If I mistyped it, I apologize. I'm sure it's my fault. Sonny says it always is. So, But 320 plus names that were given, that's not including, including pray for my platoon kind of broad names, 328 specific names that your chaplains have been carrying around in their pockets, their hat, or whatever all week. These are the cars that you wrote last week. I'm not going to name them because we talked about confidentiality, right? But the reality is, is this week I want you to think about another center if you've got your car. And if you don't have one, there will be at the end of your pews. I want to talk about another center I need you all to pray for. You. And specifically what I want us to pray for this week on your cars that our chaplains will do the exact same thing with, place in a basket, is how we can pray for you to reach those names that you gave us last week. Does that make sense? Because it, I don't know, I didn't know 90, oh, nine, no, I didn't know any of the names. I knew some of the family names because I know some of you and I recognize the family name, but I don't know your brother John, I don't know your sister Susan, never met her, if they walked in... I wouldn't know. I don't know them. You do. Some of these kids wrote down friends from school. 
Some of these people wrote down literally by name their entire platoon is what I assume because they gave rank sergeant so-and-so, lieutenant so-and-so. One of you was so humble as to write myself. Glory to God for your humility. You need Jesus too. And you're starting off on the right foot. So I'm ahead for praying for you, whoever that was. So think about that as we go through this message. How can I, Chaplain Braswell, Chaplain Thomas, Ellis, Runnels, how can we pray for you to reach them? And that's what we're going to put in the basket today. Yourself, specifically, how can I pray for your efforts? I want you to notice some things about this sermon. God says, get up and go. The command is very clear. Get up off your keister and go to the world out there. It's not hard. Just go. He didn't tell him to take time to prepare an outline. He didn't say study the Bible first. He didn't say anything. The most effective testimony you can ever give is not the testimony of Jonah, not the testimony of Billy Graham, or anything that you heard from the Pope, or whatever evangelist. The best testimony that you can do is says, hey, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Talking about me. I was a sinner, and guess what? I still am, but the difference is, is I changed directions. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was a lost sinner, but now I'm a saved sinner because simply I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Give them your story of salvation like Jonah was not willing to do. What called me into the military ministry was very simple. I felt the calling for a while. I ended up coming active duty when I was 36. Now, my calling to the military ministry came very early in high school, but my call to active duty, I would have told you, uh, before 2000, before I deployed with the National Guard under the 82nd in 2013, 14, somewhere in there. Uh, Sonny's shaking her head like, yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, so when I deployed with them in 13, I said, I'll never go active duty. I don't want to go active duty. And when I went to active duty uh, with a deployment under the National Guard, like I said, with the 82nd, it was great. Best ministry ever. And I struggled with a lot of things, and I knew that God was calling me, but I did not want to go because I was comfortable in my non-PT everyday environment. I got some friends in the ministry world that they'd look at me and they say, hey, Brother Kenneth, you're doing awesome. You're kind of physically fit. You're jumping out planes. You're doing cool stuff from the Army. And I'm like, I want to be like you, Southern Baptist Seminary professor, fat, eats too much fried chicken, and doesn't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do 12-mile ruck marches. You're my hero. But God didn't call me to do that. He called me to go. So the command is clear to go. Next, I want you to know not only is the command to get up and go very clear, I need you to know about the target. It has been identified. And it's Acts 1.8. Go to your Judea, your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can I tell you where your Judea is? It's Schofield Barracks. Go to your friend, go to your co-workers, go to your neighbor and invite them to church, invite them to movie night, invite them to the things that we do and tell them about your faith. You don't have to say, oh, that's not kosher. That Jesus wasn't very kosher either. They killed him for it. And he was willing to do it because you needed it. The target is very clear. It's your neighbors. 
See, the command is to go, and when God gives a command, unlike Jonah, we're supposed to obey it. God wants us to be honest. It's a commandment. To be spouse-loving, it's a commandment. To be a servant leader, it's a commandment. To love your neighbor if you like them. No, to love your neighbor, period, it's a commandment. Even if they're a jerk. Be obedient and honor thy father and mother, even when they're not good fathers and mothers. Now, I'm not saying to obey their sinful commandments by any ways, but the command to love your mom and dad, yes, Micah, you have to obey them no matter what. And I'm not even talking to mine. I'm talking to Thompson. He looked back like, really? Like, even when you discipline me or ground me? Yep. Got to love it. It's a command. Or otherwise, you don't get to live long and prosper. It's a promise. You see, the command is very simple. The targets identified, Judea, Samaria, Schofield Barracks, and our Judea, what are we doing in our chapel to reach the lost is something that we as a whole need to ask. But you as an individual need to ask yourself, what are you doing as a priest and a prophet and a saint and a minister of the Most High God? You, what are you doing to reach your neighbor? You gave me 328 names. I don't know. I'm praying for them, but I bet your prayers are probably a little more personal than mine. Because you better care. Because hell is real. The targets identified. The mission is very simple. Matthew chapter 28, Mr. Muir just read it. To go into all the world and to make disciples, to preach, to teach. It's not that hard. But they might not like me. Some of them don't like you anyway. But I'm not a good preacher. Neither's Dan. I mean, um, sorry. Neither am I. Neither am I. Sorry. World of sinners, me. I'm not, I'm not like you, Chaplain Harrison. Thank God. This world would be jacked up if y'all were all like me. God made you to be you and to go where He's called you to go. But I'll be darned if God tells us to go to Tarsus and or go to go to Nineveh and we go the other way. If He tells us to go to my neighbor and we go the other way, go to Tarsus. No, I don't want to. Go to Nineveh. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> You sound like a child. We are horrible about that in our church. The target has been identified. The mission is simple. And the reason is this. Sin. For the wages of sin are? Just temporary. No. It's not temporary. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is? Eternal life. See, y'all already got it. Y'all don't need my outline. Don't even take notes, man. Just go get it. That's what Jonah did. His message stunk too. And he still got promoted. It don't matter. Go. The inner parts of the ship. Soon he's about to be in the inner parts of the well, but I won't get on Glenn's part of the story when he comes up here next week. But I do want to point out some of the parallels. Some of the parallels are, well, amazing between Jonah and Jesus. Because Jesus decided to point out to the parallels of Jonah, I think maybe I should too. Both Jesus and Jonah, they were resting in the inner parts of the ship without a worry in the world. But their reason for lack of worry were two different, totally different. You see, Jesus, he wasn't worried because, well, you know, he's like Jesus. And he commands the winds and the waves. And he knows this. And the winds and the seas... They obey Him. So Jesus is down in the boat like, okay. They come to wake up Jesus like they did Jonah. Jesus gets up and says, Shh. and they, Shh. now moms and dads would like little toddlers and newborns. Don't y'all wish you could do that? Get up at 2 o'clock in the morning with a baby whining and go, Shh. 
and they just hush. I tried the trick with Sonny one time. It didn't work out too well either. Just kidding. But right, the winds and the waves obey him. See, Jonah is resting for another reason. He had no worries because he, Tarshish, <laughs> they never bothered him anyway. I'll run away from the city of the Lord. And if I run away from the city of the Lord and I hide from the presence of the Lord under the ship, God will never find me. Are you kidding me? Like God, like, like this God, like you're going to run from the city of God so you can't hear the voice of God? And that was literally his thought. Did he even know his God? You know, the God that said, let there be, fill in the blank, and whatever God said, let there be, there was. And he's going to try to hide from him. God's going to show him you can't run from him not only in the belly of the ship, but in the belly of the whale. Later we talk about the belly of the whale. Jesus compared it to being three days in the grave, and I will say, and he raised himself. Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, whether we believe it literally or figuratively. Quite frankly, I think if Jesus taught it as a literal story, I think we should probably preach it as a literal story. But it seems so unrealistic. There's a lot of things that God's capable of that seem unrealistic. <laughs> he works outside of time and, and natural law and order and gravity and everything else that he created. Okay. Let the sailors handle it. That's what Jonah's mentality. Let's just let the sailors do what they do. Let the preachers handle it. It's your mentality. Let the chaplains handle it. I'm going to give them a name and maybe they'll come to Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to pray for you to go to them. I'm not going to pray for God to send me, suckers. <laughs> Y'all thought that we were just going to what, Google those names and find out where they are. No, no. I'm going to pray for their souls and I'm going to pray for your strength. And pray for your wisdom. And pray that your crummy message is just as crummy as Jonah's, but as accurate as Jonah's was too. That they need God and without Him they're in danger. Fear of the common people to preach is all over the place. I don't need you to be good preachers. I just need you to be good Christians. I just need you to be followers of the Gospel. You're all priests to do good work. Ephesians 4, 11-13, are you familiar with it? We are all called to be His workmen. We all have our individual jobs in the body of believers. We're all called to go, though. I don't need you to be a chaplain any more than I need to be a good commander or a good intelligence officer or a good administrator for the admin stuff. But whatever your strengths are, you are to use those. But the command for all my unit is CAV is when I get orders with the 214 CAV or 2nd Brigade, my orders are the same as theirs to go. And you know what? We'll all go. We'll do our individual functions to support the one mission, and our mission is the lost. And Schofield community is filled with them. Your unit is filled with them. And you say they don't want to hear it. I beg to differ. They are dying to hear it, quite literally. Fear the common people to preach. I don't care about what you think your fears are because eternity is real. You're the saints. You must go. We can't expect... I can't go to your school. I'm not allowed, young man, young woman. I can't go. Could you imagine what would happen to me if a chaplain, if I went up to my kid's school and says, repent and be baptized? Talk about all the little kids going to hell. Well, there went my job. I can't go to your school, but I can prepare you to go and I can pray for you as you go. They can't keep you from going. Ha <laughs> ha! They can't tell your message. I don't belong at your workplace. But you belong there. And God goes with you. And I expect you to be what God called you to be. Just a thought. 
Jonah says no. Deliberately disobedient to God. What a jerk, says Chaplain Harrison. What an idiot, says the congregation. I need you to know I've got a congregation full of Jonah's. Have you ever been deliberately disobedient to God when He makes His words clear? Jonah wasn't confused. And it's a warning for us too. The circumstances don't change the direct command of God. When God speaks, your opinion doesn't matter. If He is the Father and we are the child, when He says go, go. When He says don't, don't. When He says do, do. When He says love, love. It's a very simple act of obedience. It must be God's will for us to be married, some of them say, chaplain, because the way that we came together, together, are you a believer? Yes. Are they? No. No. Scripture's clear. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Your marriage might be off to a bad start from the very beginning. I've had people try to come up to me and adjust, justify their adultery. Oh, chaplain, me and my wife are going through a hard time. We're going through the divorce. But, but I met this other girl and she's comforting me, I bet. Me and you probably got different ideas of comfort, but go ahead with your story. Go ahead and try to justify me your adultery. Go ahead and try to justify to me your disobedience to your parents. Go ahead and try to justify to me why you don't go to your neighbors because they don't like you or you don't like them. Go ahead. Because God's waiting with a whale on the outside of the boat. And quite frankly, there may be a congregation of believers that are ready to toss you outside of the boat. I don't know. But the command to go is clear. Not only did, was there deliberate disobedience, that disobedience rather led to destruction. The boat fare to Tarshish was cheap compared to the price that he was about to pay. And when we walk away from God, when we walk away from the will of God, there's a price to pay. Romans 6.23 is death. Y'all said it. Cheryl knows it. That's why we want to go when I want you to go. Not only does the disobedience lead to destruction in the belly of the well in Jonah's case, disobedience demands discipline in the belly of the well. And it called Jonah to pray a lot. That's another story for another day. But Jonah's prayer is pretty astronomical. His prayer is great. Save me! Save me! I need you! I messed up! Father, forgive me! My bad! Save me! And God does, spits him up on the beach, and then he goes and gives the most pathetic message ever. I think I'd have probably put a, more, a little more work into it after that, right? We often complicate our faith. Did God really call me to do this? Yes, he did. We often miss the joy of simply being obedient. When we're outside of our faith, we act outside of our burden. As we come forward and as our chaplains come forward to help me serve communion, and I apologize. I know we're going to be a little over this morning, but the Catholics can wait. It'll be all right. As we take communion and deserve communion, it's and talk about the sinners. I need us to understand that I'm looking at a congregation full of Jonas. As we observe communion, I don't want us to look about anybody else's sin but ours. Because I need to give you a word of encouragement. These elements... This grape juice that represents the body, this stale cracker that rep or sorry, this grape juice that represents the blood and the stale cracker that represents the body, it's a reminder of his sacrifice that paid for your sins. They don't matter. You can rest comfortably in the belly of the whale or in the belly of the ship, knowing that he died for your sins. But that doesn't give us an excuse to continue in the wrong direction. 
we confess. And the idea of repentance is to, as my ministers of the Gospel know, to turn the other way. Because God's that way and we're walking this way like Jonah did and repentance is to literally come back to God. So I call you to come back to God. As the band comes up, or uh, Micah comes up and uh, plays a little bit of instrumental, Father, um, I'm going to open up in a word of prayer over the elements. And as per usual, I ask you to come down the aisle, kind of go, go out and around, and we'll take the elements together um, as a body of believers. Hey, Daddy, I thank you for who you are. Father, I pray that everything that we do, the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, will be acceptable to you as our spiritual act of worship. Father, as we observe these elements and we take the body and the blood of Christ or that which is representations of it, Father, we may we never forget that you have died for our sins. Not only ours, but the sins of people that we don't like, like Jonah. For the, for the sins of the world, for the sins of my neighbor, for my sinful cousin or my brother that just doesn't get it, or my spouse, as somebody wrote. My dad, as a child, wrote on one of our cards this week. Father, you died for them. And yes, they need Jesus, but Father, we need to go. Let us be aware of our lack of commitment to you so that we can recommit ourselves to you and take that message to the world. I ask these things in order the name of the name of my Savior, Jesus the Christ. All God's children said, won't you come?